Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. What is up? My name is Jerome, and we are kicking off a new series today called The Fall. I remember I was up at Torch Lake partying one summer. This is before Jesus got a hold of me and transformed my life. So I don't want you to think this is recent, but here's the thing. I can still relate release recently, even with the tensions all the way back then, but I hadn't had that full deliverance yet. So anyways, going back to Torch Lake. So, and I'm having this kind of wrestle, this moment where I'm thinking, dang, I know my life is made for something more. I'm smoking blunt after blunt after blunt. And I'm like, dang, I'm not sure I'm taking full advantage of this beautiful gift called life. Kind of just going through the motions and it's becoming to haunt me and the conviction in my heart is strong. I'm feeling condemned and ashamed. How do I get out of this situation? Well, someone had given me a book called The World Beyond. And I was really good at doing book reports without ever reading books. Because if you know how to play the game, you can kind of get through it. Don't do that, kids. It's not worth it. You want to fully bloom where you're planted in school. So shout out to all of those doing it the right way. I hadn't done it the right way up till that point, but I was graced enough where I could still get the grade and somehow do a book report. But anyways, here I am reading the World Beyond book and why that's so important because I never read a book from cover to cover. But that particular weekend, I decided to read it. And somewhere in that book by Dave Williams, it has something along the lines of this is kind of the, the pre preview. This is the prelude to when Jesus radically transforms my life on Easter Sunday. And some of you have heard that story, but this is the, the before behind the scenes where I prayed. I remember months before. So I'm praying in the fall, praying before the Easter, I come to Jesus. I prayed, God, reading that book, remove everything in my life that is not like you. Prune everything in my life that's not like you. Take, remove it all. Let it all fall off. Well, be careful what you pray for because six months later, God radically transformed my life. I get set free. And it was the most beautiful day of my life. But at the same token, the other side of it was this. I didn't have anything. A job didn't stick. Seemed like nobody would call me after Jesus got a hold of me. I was so alone, but yet I knew I wasn't. I knew I was with God. And I remember he reminded me, remember what you prayed for? 
Nothing could stay in the soil. Nothing could stay on your tree. Nothing could stay. It had to fall off so that I could then begin to do a new work with some new roots, new system, that there would be new fruit. And I'm like, ah. Oh. And then he started to build and shape and mold me. So here's the point. As we think of the fall, yes, the fall of mankind and the effects of sin that all of us are born into. But I pray in this fall season here in Michigan, just like the leaves, that we would pray, God, let things fall off of me today that is not like you, period. Don't let it stay. Don't let it stay. Let's open up John 15. You can read along on the screen. There's going to be several passages I want to take us to today, ultimately to sin no more. What? How could we sin no more? It's natural we're going to make mistakes. And our God is full of grace and loving and quick to forgive. Yes, all that. But he still tells us to go sin no more. And we'll get to that story in a moment. The veins, the roots, the nutrients that flow through this month here at City Life is John 15, verse 1. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean. This is very key. Because we, we start to pick up some trash and some residue when we think either when God's pruning us, God's letting some stuff fall off of us, or when he's uni using, this is one of the hardest parts, when he's using people to prune us and develop us. Sometimes we'll let God see the grossest parts of our life and we'll only receive it from him. But he has this beautiful way of using his people to prune us as well. And it's so important to remember when we're being pruned, we're still clean. We are still clean. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. We are clean because when Jesus sets us free, we are free indeed. He remembers our sin no more. He casts it as far as the east is to the west. Jesus makes us clean whiter than snow. You are already clean, even though you're in the process, even though you got some junk that has to get kind of put down into the garbage dump. So verse four, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. You cannot bear fruit unless you abide in me, Jesus says. Jesus, really? We can't do anything of value? Well, he knows that the only thing that will last is him and his kingdom. So when we're connected to him, the vine, the father, the vine dresser, the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through me and you, the fruit of the spirit starts to then manifest, but we're gonna have to let some things fall off of us. And we do that. This is where it gets really neat and cool. By receiving who God is. We just naturally let it happen. Just like the season of fall in Michigan right now, it will naturally happen. Things fall off, but there's some work that we can do in fall that we can't do in any other season. 
Like right now, we want to make our grass a little thicker. Well, we have to aerate it. So you kind of, you bit this machine, it plucks these little things. It looks like geese turds all over your lawn. People are like, whoa, what happened? They don't want to walk anywhere, but really it's plucked out little, uh, uh, little kind of plugs of soil and it goes all across the grass and then you can overseed your lawn. And when you overseed your lawn in September, and the reason it has to be in September is because we've used some nutrients and treatments throughout the time and they say, here's our window in order because September is getting ready for next spring. September is getting ready for next summer. September is getting ready for the next season. So we have to let some things fall off of us. And I want to enter the next season. I want to enter even this season. I want to enter it one like God, but I'm here to tell you today, I think you're just like me a little bit. A little bit of the world is trying to just overtake that. A little bit of the weeds of this life, a little bit of, of, of some stuff that needs to get pruned. Come on. Like the media needs to get pruned for my life. Some more of these temptations need to get pruned for my life because now the more that we're in this pandemic, we start to then say, you know what? I'm just going to be diluted. We start comparing ourselves to somebody else. We say, you know what? It's not that bad. I'm not that bad of a sinner. And But where then we never stop and really say, God, am I producing the fruit that you want? If people eat from my tree, what type of fruit do they eat? Do they get some like bitter, some little moldy raspberries? What do they get when they look at my lawn? And why would we even want to bear fruit? Because we remember who set us free. John 8, <laughs> this is us. <laughs> Verse 7, come on, this is us. This is, this, is a, this is it. This is the woman caught in adultery. All of us in sin, we are just like this story. Period. When God found us, no matter what our sin was, this is the grace of heaven. Check this out. As they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, this woman gets uh, uh, caught in adultery. The, the religious leaders bring him up and, and, then, and say, Jesus, come on, doesn't it say that, that you should stone her? And he's like, yeah, 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 but you're missing the point. Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw the stone at her. How can sinners judge other sinners? The only one in this moment, the only one that could condemn her, the only one that could cast her out is the one that's having the conversation with re these religious leaders. The only one. And this is good news today because the only one that can condemn you doesn't. The one who could condemn covers you. Check it out. Verse 8. And once more, he bent down and wrote on the ground. Some have said the connection even to the ground that he's writing, you know, where, where, where we come from. You know, the dust. How, how what grew out of this ground and the, the creatures we were supposed to rule over. How the original fall took place. The story going all the way back in Genesis where we were meant to rule over all of creation, but here we are subject to creation, negotiating with creation, the story of the serpent, the tree, and, and some people get so caught up in literal, was it a literally talk, talking serpent? The, the story is written in a captive way to communicate in a narrative way this truth that we're supposed to rule over, but now we're being, we're being subdued by it. This is what happens with the pleasures of this world. We're supposed to rule over them. God's given us gifts to rule over, but in just like in this particular moment, God 
God's given this girl caught in adultery. He's given us the gift of sex. He's given us the gift of money. He's given us the gifts of creativity and business and, and, and development and all these things. But when the gift becomes over the giver, now we got it twisted and we're then being caught into the, the shackles, the tangles, the rhythm in the fruit of this world as opposed to the fruit of God. Because when we have God first over everything, we're able to see clearly how he made it, how he intended it to be. And we got to stick to his game plan, which means we're going to have to get pruned. And why I go back to Genesis for a moment, because we remember the fall. And when the fall took place, when Eve bit the apple and then let's Adam, God holds Adam accountable, which is hilarious. You know, this is super hardcore because guys, when we try to make excuses, we say, well, it's somebody else's, somebody else's. You know what? God looks at us right in the eyes and he says, yeah, but you. And what's interesting, as soon as, they, as soon as the fall entered in, this is what happens when we sin. Because we, come on, and when we're caught in our sin, what do we want to do? Hide. <laughs> or, you know, we hide. We hide. And it's crazy when I see this play out, not only in my life, but as a dad with my kids. You don't have to hide. Come here. I'm not going to condemn you. I'm here to cover you and correct you. That's why the next few verses we're going to read is so powerful. This is the nature and the heartbeat of heaven. This is the heartbeat of how fruit starts. This is the roots to not the fall, but now the new fruit, the new found, the forever freedom, the banner, that where there was shame, now there's going to be grace in a powerful way. So he wrote, writes on the ground, but when they heard it, they went away one by one because they all know, yeah, we're sinners. Beginning with the older ones, probably like, yeah, <laughs> I got this thing called compound sin. I've <laughs> been sinning a really long time. Been doubling down in a direction of gossip and anger or been looking at things I shouldn't for a really long time and we start to get tainted and, and we think, yeah, I'm out. You're right, Jesus. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go. And from now on, sin no more. Friend, when we think of producing fruit or to be pruned, or we think of abiding, a lot of times we, we've, heard, we've heard the pitch. Here's what we've heard. Sin no more. Come on, that's sin. That's sin. And you know what? There is a time and place where we just got to call out sin. We got to get radical with our hate, disgust of sin in our own lives and others' lives. If something keeps causing us to sin, man, we got to get so serious. Jesus hyperbolizes in a figurative way. He's like, hey, if your eye causes you to sin, cut it out. If your arm causes you to sin, cut it off. And he wasn't saying literally, you know, I mean, we don't need dismembered members walking around in the body of Christ. I mean, God has been sanctifying me. Really? What's up? You got an eye patch on. Like, you know, what's going on? But what he's trying to say is sin is that gross. It is that wicked. And so we hear it and we say sin no more. And we start to kind of wear our banners. We're the sin police. 
what the church is. We walk around, we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a sin cop, yo. I've been looking at looking out for people. And we start to feel like a cop, you know? Like, I'm on the highway, you feel some type of way. They got the, the, the speed gun and you get all nervous. You're like, dang, why you just, come on, let's think of the posture. Let's think of the tactics. Let's think of how we invite people into this experience. Like, this is warped, right? And so no wonder we need a little calibration beyond in our society right here, right now. No wonder so many are crying out for change. But here's what's crazy. We're crying out for the same change in the church and it has to start with us first. Why? Because we're playing too simply. We're playing too sin cop looking at people and we tell them sin no more. But we got to remember how we can remind people who they are first. Remember you were lost, but you're found. Remember God could have condemned you, but he didn't cast you out. He covered you. Remember you were so filthy, dirty, worthless, caught in sin, but God found you and he loves you and he saw you and he said, look, I don't condemn you. He covers us with the blood of heaven oh, himself. Think of that. If anybody would have gotten mad at people, it was the one who was going to go die for people that he, that, that he didn't do it. You know, if you're going to go take one for the team, have you felt like you're taking one for the team in this season? Jesus is going to take one for the team. He is going to endure the wrath of the coach, the wrath of the coach for all of the other people messing up, not him. This is so perplexing, but yet so profound that Jesus doesn't condemn her. He tells her, go. And I can only imagine because all, how embarrassing. Because sin is embarrassing, right? When people kind of read our laundry or find out. But all of us, we're all in the same thing. We're all sinners in need of a savior. And when grace steps in, there's no condemnation. And now we get to understand, I want to be a disciple. I'm going to go and sin no more. So we don't hear it as go sin no more. We hear it as, man, there was only one who recruited me when I didn't deserve to be recruited. Therefore, he has my life forever. And if you don't know Jesus yet, he's recruiting you. Every mistake you feel, all of the shame, all of those things you wish you could hide and blot out, those late nights, those texts, those websites, that bitterness growing up in our hearts from the climate of today, looking at which party are we a part of, which party do we hate, and what people line are we for or against, and how do we kind of walk this thing out and what's happening is we're feeling this like this overwhelming boulder that we're not meant to carry sin is too heavy to carry and when we lose our sensitivity of conviction we become so calloused and diluted that we no longer walk in the fullness of heaven, that we walk in the ways of darkness. The evil one starts to creep in. And I've heard somebody say that the enemy is not scared of the church. The enemy is scared of a church that's awake and alert and fully alive. In order for us to bear the fruit of heaven, I believe we have to let some things fall off and go sin no more.
Are you still with me? Let's do this. We're going to Romans 5 to remember what this sin journey through grace journey and obedience journey looks like. Okay, now I start to recognize why I would obey. I would obey because I'm the woman caught in adultery. And God didn't condemn me. So now, if you love me, he says in John 14, you'll keep my commandments. (laughs) God, I love you. All right, so what are your commandments? Let's start to remember the same grace that saved me is the same grace that's saving me is the same grace that will save me. So I need this every day. That's why these Sundays matter. These touch points matter. That's why groups matter because all of us, we're prone to wander. We're prone to get off. And, and, and we can't judge our fellow brothers and sisters. We got to encourage our brothers and sisters. But sometimes it's really hard to love our brothers and sisters because we like to be kind of in our pity party sometimes. We like to sit in our diaper too long. We, we get calloused to the things of God and we become diluted and polluted and today is a day where we re-up and let some things fall off of us. Amen? Let it be. Romans 5, 18, therefore as one trespass led to condemnation for all men. (laughs) One sin led to all of the condemnation all of this world feels. Because when we tell the story of why Jesus came, sometimes we give way too much glory to the one act of disobedience. How we tell the story matters, the tact. Because we can be like, one trespass, Adam failed. Look at the effects of sin everywhere. The fall, the wars, the rumors of wars, the nonstop, the pestilence, the plague, the disease, the sex trafficking, the hunger. And oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's the effects of it. But, 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 but. So one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men. Yeah, where there was a a place of failure and shame, now there's a place of freedom. Because the one act of Jesus makes me righteous, which justifies me before God in life for all of people that come to Jesus Christ. This is powerful. This is the good news. For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. Dang it. So by one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Follow this logic. If I've been made righteous by Jesus, I naturally want to obey. It's as simple as that. I want to obey. When we were thinking of what to name our first child, we were on the fence. My wife coming from Mexican family, she was like, if we name him after you, everyone's going to call him Junior. And I'm not trying to go to the family event where there's 10 juniors and everyone's just saying, Junior, 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 Junior. And I was like, I get that. But I'm like, it's our first boy. I got to name him after me. And we were asking for a sign. So the question was going to come down to, is our firstborn going to be Jerome Cyrus or Cyrus Jerome? We're going back and forth. Cyrus Jerome means it wouldn't be kind of a junior. Jerome Cyrus would mean that people call him a junior. Eventually, Jerome Cyrus won out. I don't think it was my radical persuasion. I think it was the persuasion of God in heaven. But one of the exercises we did on how we would name him Jerome Cyrus, we started calling people who were named after their father. And what we found is this. There was a common common thread. If you liked your dad, you liked your name. And if you didn't like your dad that much, you didn't really like your name that much. And I know that that's not a full blanket because you're thinking now, you're like, oh man, if you're thinking, oh, my kid doesn't go by the name or if you're the kid that goes, there's always exceptions. But that was kind of the pattern we saw because why? 
if you really love your dad, you want to be like him. That's a good thing. If we've been made right by God, it's only naturally we want to obey what our father tells us. So when he shows us, hey, don't do that or do this, and, we're, and that's why we're in community, we're saying, hey, brother, sister, I'm struggling with this. Can you help me see? And we got to approach them gently because we remember we have a log. They have a speck, and we're always doing this thing called sanctification, making me more like Jesus so that the fruit of heaven would be able to be taste through our lives. And not just for someone else, but I believe this. Come on, make it selfish for a moment. For our own benefit. For our own freedom. You know, like it doesn't ever make me better when I start letting the world lead me. It never makes it more enjoyable. Every day becomes harder. And why? Because the pressures of this world mean that I want to escape, but this world can't offer me pleasures that I'm made to only be satisfied by a God who made me. So God knows. And then here we continue in verse 20. Y'all still with me? Come on, house homes. Shout out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Give me a nice QB. Let's go. I know it's cube, cube. Why can't it be cube today? Now the law came in to increase the trespass where sin increased. Here you go. No matter how big the sin was, where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Yeah. Woo. That song back in the day was pump up the volume. So basically the volume of sin, no matter how loud it was, even for a murderer, the apostle Paul, that the grace of heaven was louder. This is why grace is so scandalous. This is why the message we carry is worth everything. This is why the good news is so beautiful. How we approach people and how we see people matters with Love the City Week right here, right now. That's why we're coming out there to say, hey, no strings attached. What up? <laughs> Come on, I thought you, I got to do this Jesus thing. You got to either in or out, on or off. No, no. Man, God made you whether you acknowledge that or not. And we, we love you. We with you. <laughs> we ain't better than. We were the woman caught in adultery. We for sure aren't better than. And we just go and sin no more because we have a playbook and we're invite you into that. But hey, by the way, you don't have to because God's gentle and God's kind. Here, God's kindness leads us to repentance. It's his goodness. Why would we obedi be obedient? Go and sin no more because his goodness. It's as simple as that. His goodness. In just a few moments, we're going to pray, and I believe heaven's going to meet us here. And I'm not going to be able to get to all my notes, but in the weeks ahead, maybe we'll, uh, one of the things is I want to, maybe a little homework for us, because I think this is good. Just homework. Just a new love to read our Bible again. I, I want a deeper hunger, like when I first came to Jesus, cover to covers type stuff, uh, by myself when I can't find a friend in sight. And I'm just saying, God, you're the only one I have, but that is more than enough. Because when we think we need to God plus something, we got nothing. But God plus nothing, we got everything. We need nothing more. It is final forever. Yeah, yeah. I know how weird this must be sometimes. Like if you just stumbled upon this and you're watching this, you're like, dude, this guy is so passionate about it. He's just staring at a camera. I remember I'd watch TV evangelists sometimes. What are they even saying? Do they believe it? And, and when we're in those darkest moments, those moments were used to speak to me through a camera even. And I use this moment right here right now to speak to you. If you don't know Jesus yet, man, he is chasing you. And he does not condemn you. But he's the only one that can cover and forgive and provide that freedom 
and forgiveness that we all need. And if you're watching this and you're like, I know I'm with Jesus, but I need to remember why I want to go and sin no more, I pray today is a re-up to let the fall (laughs) happen naturally. So now the law, verse 20, came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also reigned through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then the next chapter, Romans 6, for sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. And we can hear that and say, well, hey, I'm under grace. But I use verse 14 to say, at the very beginning of that chapter, let's go to Romans 6, just one maybe. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Check out that um, passage more later and go into Galatians 5, 16 through 25. See the fruit of heaven and letting the flesh fall off. But Paul reminds us in Romans 6 is this. Hey, just because your sin was so high and God's grace was so more powerful, that does not, does not give us the excuse to just go disobey and keep on sinning. You know what's underrated? Repentance. And you know what's overrated? Sin. The whole journey with God is a journey to become more like him. And to become more like him, we have to receive him all the time. And we don't do that by striving or trying or some type of behavior modification. How do I get clean? Do do I do these steps? And all that can be helpful and programs and books and techniques and new workout programs and new rhythms and disciplines and all that, you know? But as you know, you can start a workout program and you can start a new eating program. But unless we remember why we're doing it, it'll be a fad. Jesus is not a fad. He comes in to wash us clean. But also, because we're clean already, he wants to make us fruitful. But he does root work and he has to cut some external things too. We're going to sing the blessing. And as we sing that over us in this moment, I pray that we'll ask God, God, what is it that needs to be pruned? What needs to fall off of my life in this season? We want to walk together in this journey to give us the courage to do that and to move on with that. God, in this moment, help us re-up to go sin no more. We want to be obedient. We know we'll never be perfect, but we don't want to use this as an excuse to just say, hey, okay, let, let's make a mockery of grace. No, but to understand grace and even to understand obedience, obedience is a work of grace. We can't do it. That's so neat. We just got to abide. Yeah. 
So we let go right now. When we abide, we are home. We're in the soil of heaven. So we pray in this moment, you'll do the work that only you can do to make us more like you. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelancing.com. You belong here.